<laughs> You're now listening to the Inside Out Podcast with Jimmy Hunt. Get it. Welcome to Inside Out with Jimmy Hunt. My job is simple. Improve my mental fitness through any means possible and deconstruct what works, what doesn't, and what I think might be able to help you become mentally fitter. And quite often, it leads me to some pretty interesting people, places, and stories. I've got some stories for you today. These stories are about friends, I guess, people we surround ourselves with. And as usual, I have my lovely wife, Libby Grace, here. Hi, Libby. Hello, darling. Can you hear a bit of a change in my aura? Yeah, I can feel it. Uh, you sound a little, <laughs> a little, a little coarse right now. Uh, my wife uh, does sound a little coarse right now. She's sick. She is unwell, and uh, it hurts my soul because one of the things um, that I talked about on the Love Languages podcast, one of the things I do for her a lot is fetch. And so to have her sick and unwell in a country thousands of miles away from me with the inability to be able to help her do like today's washing day, for example, we share a washing machine, today's washing day, and uh, it's very hard for her to do that. So yeah, she's not here. Mm. You have big shoes to fill. She was a reluctant podcast host, but now she really enjoys it. But instead of Libby today, I have the lovely Will Fleming. You may know Will because I did an episode with Will a couple back. He is the host of the podcast, Please Blow My Mind, and the former host of the podcast, Mike Huey Life. And he is just a good person to have a chat with. And you know, I don't really like, I've done one. I've done one of these episodes by myself. I didn't like it. It was weird. <laughs> and so I wrote Will in to talk about this today. So thanks for coming along, Will. Absolutely. Jimmy, I'm here for you. And I am a very proud substitute for whatever is going through your mind. It is no, you know, it's no soft thing to be in a relationship and, and not be able to be there when the chips are down. So. Look, man, I'm happy to bring my size 12 and a half feet into these shoes that I'm sure only fill it uh, a toe length worth. <laughs> uh, people have come to like Libby as a, as a co-host, so you, you do have reasonable size <laughs> shoes to fill. Now, today I wanted to talk about the people we surround ourselves with, the term that I quite often use, surround yourself with awesome. And I want to start off by talking about an Abraham Lincoln quote. And he says, it's a famous quote, a lot of you might have heard it before, uh, when asked to, um, if, if, you, if he was given six hours to chop down a tree, he would spend the first four sharpening his axe. That, that was what Abraham Lincoln said. So basically, whenever you set out to achieve something, it, it, comes, it comes in handy to invest a lot into the tools that we're going to be using. And so if you have a goal, something you want to work towards, you should devote your resources to the means that one uses for achieving this goal. So if we're talking about what we want, you know, what we talk about mental fitness or having a good life, if we were to apply old Abe's lesson to that goal, what would that amount to? What would it, what would it mean? And so one of the biggest tools that we could have in our toolbox for moving ourselves up the continuum is the people that we surround ourselves with. 
And you know this well, Will, because you have, I mean, we we're talking about this off air. To be brutally honest, because, you know, that's the thing I talk about a lot. You and I both know neither of our podcasts are really going to do anything spectacular. They're not going to be a million subscribers. They're not going to end up changing the world or, or anything like that. Doesn't mean we shouldn't do them. Mm. But one of the cool things that we do when we create a podcast, I think you'll attest to this, is it gives us a very good excuse to surround ourselves with some really awesome people. Absolutely. This relationship we have that you are drawing from for your podcast right now is built on that foundation. It's as lucky or by chance or chemically charged as any other thing because you could quite easily not reply to an email from me or not ask me to come on your podcast. So there's something that is, yeah, as soon as you take that burden off, just like maybe a relationship, I need you because we need to be in love and we need to be happy forever. That's like us saying we need to go viral every week. And yeah. if you just take take that off, then you can look at actually what you've got, which is this plethora of other useful moments. You know, going back to your quote that you read out, four hours sharpening. I mean, we've only probably spoken for four hours, but it's a, it's kept us razor sharp, right? Yeah. Well, and this is the thing that I think a lot of people tend to forget is that we can't just magically purchase or achieve the end goal. We can't we can't just go, oh, you know, you can't buy happiness, that sort of thing. You know, you can't you can't pay $10 million and then suddenly your life's just full of roses. That doesn't work mm -hmm. like that. We can't invest in the end result, but we can invest in the tools to help create the end result. And for you and I, uh, our podcast happens to be one of those tools that help us surround ourselves with awesome people. And see, you know, the people you spend the most time with, they shape who you are. Classic, very popular quote that everyone's heard. You are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Jim Rohn. And he's right. The people that you spend the most time with shape who you are. They determine what conversations dominate your attention. They affect which attitudes and behaviors you're regularly exposed to. And then eventually, you know, you end up starting to think like they think and behave like they behave. And to put it in very simple, crude terms, if you surround yourself mostly with fuckwits, you will become a fuckwit. And if you surround, even if you start as a fuckwit, if you surround yourself with five beautiful, lovely, uplifting, wonderful people, you will soon become a beautiful, lovely, uplifting person. You just assimilate. It's what we do as humans. And you can't really get away from that. I mean, your parents probably the same as mine, the same as so many parents when you're growing up, don't want you hanging out with that kid. <laughs> Why, mum? You know, a bad egg. They they'll lead you astray, and it's for the most part it's kind of true. You know, you end up in bad circles, you end up doing bad things, and you end up having bad outcomes. And so we know that through just you know common uh, social constructs. But 
we kind of forget that as we age out of that. Absolutely. It's like the word that keeps popping into my mind is trust. Yep. I have an oddly secure trust because we've talked about it all the time. We talk quite deeply, not that often, but really deeply, really quick for maybe an hour or plus. And that develops the trust. Well, first of all, you don't know what you're going to say to me and I don't know what I'm going to say to you, but we, we repeat this for an hour plus every time we chat. And I mean, if, I'm sure there might be studies on it, but it'd be interesting to know if there's any other scenarios in life where we've given up that trust. Like if you drive, you know where you're going and you know the rules. You may have to make one or two slight variations, but it's pretty organized. Same when you work. There's not going to be that many surprises, but in a relationship, especially based around spoken word, I could quite easily ruin things just by saying the wrong thing, right? So yeah. there's this weird relationship that for, and maybe the more love you have for somebody, the more trust they're going to give you. Like, oh, you actually said the wrong thing there, but yeah, I'm going to now give you another chance to say that. And yeah, but those are the, the people, time. those are the people we mm. need to surround ourselves with. So what we're looking to do is surround ourselves with people who can have these conversations with us. And not you said the wrong thing. Now I'm fucking off this whole relationship. By mm. them being able to call you out, by them being able to give you what's called external self-awareness, by being a loving critic, that allows mm. you to learn and to grow through the people you've surrounded yourself with, which is vitally important. I mean, there's some research by a guy called Dr. David McClelland. He's a social psychologist at Harvard. And he says basically that the people you habitually associate with determine as much as 95% of your success or failure in life. There is no such thing as a self-made millionaire. There's no such thing as a self-made man or woman. There's, there's no such thing as self in that context. My success hinges massively on my wife. Even before she became a co-host on a podcast, she helps me grow. She teaches me so much. She puts me in my place. She gives me that external self-awareness that I don't get from other people. And mm. I grow because of that. And because, well, I mean, she is someone who is excessively lovely and has a gigantic capacity for love. And over the last 10 years, I have learned those two things from her. I have learned to love way more. And we're going to do an actual podcast on about how to grow your capacity for love, because I think that's really important. And she's Absolutely. made me a lovelier human. Because if I've ever been a dick, she just calls me out on it. And I'm like, <laughs> sweet. You know, so she is the person I do spend the most amount of time with. And what a damn fine choice I made, because, <laughs> you know, she makes me a better human. But yeah. that's a huge statistic, 95% of your success or failure in life. And when you think about it, that's, you know, all of the people you surround yourself with. So the question is, how do we actively sort of construct our social environments? How do we curate our friend groups? How do we surround ourselves with awesome 
How do you do that, Will? Mm, well, look, I don't know if this is very useful for this chat, but the last guest I had on the podcast, he's an American guy and he does a lot in the breathing space, but he said he came to New Zealand once and it reminded him of LA in the 80s. And I think what he was meaning is like, you know, people out on their bikes, people doing things, communities. Like, okay. That's what I took away. Right. And what the community gave you is a chance to meet people, you know, like yeah. go and play with the kids down the road, just not that one. <laughs> right. But chance was a thing and it still is a thing. Well, maybe not such in this algorithm meet people world or, you know, yeah. Tinders and stuff, but, but we even realized being a young family moving away from central Auckland into the um, right out South that it was really hard to meet people. It's not that easy and it never has been and it probably never will be. So so there's a com- conversation here around, are you putting yourself in positions to meet new people? Or 100%. Are you actively, I love that. Yeah. And I love that because th- yes, yes. you're 100% correct. We live in boxes. We travel to mm. other boxes in smaller mobile boxes. And it's yep. very hard for us to break outside of our social constructs in order to bring new people into this. And so I'm actually doing, I'm going to do an episode. It's on my episode list, uh, how to make friends after 30. Mm. Because that just seems to be an anomaly. And I'm somebody who doesn't really have a friend group. I kind of flitter in between because I am transient. And so Mm. if I'm in places without that friend social structure, then I need to go and make friends. And at 40 Mm. years old, that can be very hard. People are very clicky. People yeah. sort of, I sort of, I have a <laughs> a very judgmental sort of rule in my in my own head that I don't usually share out loud. But basically, if somebody is still friends with all the people that they went to school with, then that's a red flag to me. It's a it's a red flag. Uh, you're you're friends with school people because of proximity. Because you were put in a particular class or a particular year group at a particular school because you lived in a particular place. Your choice was very limited on who you could be friends with at that time. You now have the ability to be friends with anybody in the entire world. And if you're still just hanging out with those people, it's a red flag to me saying, look, these are these are the type of people who are not really branching out, not looking to you know, because I mean, shit is, it's it's impossible actually to break into a friend group if they've been friends since high school. It's impossible. Like they they won't let you in. And so this, this comes to the question, like I said, or deal with that a whole other episode of how to make friends after 30. But one of the types of people that uh, you should be surrounding yourself with are mentors. And Mm. I bring that up because I think that the way to get out of your social construct is to reach out. You've got to reach out to people. And so I decided that I wanted a mentor and I sort of made a bit of a half-ass list, but I couldn't think of all that many people. And there was a guy who, and because I'm not very business savvy. And so one of the things I thought I should have is a business savvy mentor. And there was a guy that I'd met a couple of times, but my dad knew better. My dad regards him as 
the most connected businessman in New Zealand. Very successful, knows fucking everybody. And so I sent him an email and I said, hey, do you think we could have lunch sometime soon? Yeah, I'd like to talk to you about some things. And his personal assistant got back to me and said, no, but uh, he will have breakfast with you in seven months. And <laughs> I just cracked up. Was like, all right. It's like, sure, seven months breakfast, done. Yeah, I put it in my calendar and seven months came by and I had breakfast with him and, you know, oh, what's up? Oh, so, you know, I told him a couple of things, what I was doing, what I was up to. And uh, he said, um, so, you know, what, what, is it, what is it you want? And I said, well, what I would like is for you to mentor me. And he's like, oh, uh, okay. He said, what does, that, what does that mean? What does that entail? And I said, well, what it entails is I buy you breakfast once a month and we just talk about stuff and you give me a, your opinion on the stuff that I'm talking about. And he's like, huh, yeah, I could do that. And he said, you know what? You are the first person to ever ask me to mentor them. And I was like, fuck, really? And so for the next few years, he bought me breakfast once a month. And we talked about shit. And I'd be like, oh, you know, I'm trying to do this. And he's like, oh, you know who you need to talk to? The CEO of Air New Zealand. I'll send him an email. <laughs> uh, sure. Thanks. But, the, you know, there's a couple of takeaways from that story. One is that just reach out to people. Just mm -hmm. actually send the email. Don't self-reject. I talked about that on an on a email to my email list the other day. Just don't self-reject. There's no point. What's he going to say? No. Okay, sweet. And then the other thing is, this is a man who had never been asked before. <laughs> You're like, and one of the crazy things about mentoring somebody is that the mentor gets as much out of it as the mentee. And I'm... Uh, I'm mentoring someone at the moment for my friend's company. And, you know, I was, I was talking to him about a lot of the stuff recently. And I genuinely enjoy going for a walk with him once a week and sharing my knowledge. Like, it's actually something, it's actually something that I really enjoy. And yet I'm the one that's supposed to be being put out. And so I've been talking to him and I'm getting him to make a list at the moment of people that he thinks, you know, might be able to mentor him or, or help him. Do you have any mentors, mm. Will? Do you have any people that you've actively asked in order to, to help surround yourself with awesome? It's so funny, Jimmy, because I only found, I found two mentors at 40 years old. And I'd been searching my whole life for someone to mentor me. My mentor was the Superman videos growing up. And yeah. I know that sounds strange on the level, but I really like the dynamic between Clark Kent and Superman. <laughs> and I know that sounds strange, but that did a lot for me, you know? So growing up, I'd watch those films, you know, probably right up until, well, I sometimes sneak away and watch those films. But um, 
I I guess the mentoring I was trying to find was I still can't quite find the money side of things. How do I make myself excited about earning a lot? And I hope that reveals itself one day. Do you have rich gosh, friends? Uh, no. 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 But that's so that's part of the thing, you know, like you want to, and that's not true. rich just as in I hit, mm, inherited mm. a lot of money. I mean, rich as mm. in successful people that have started their own business. Because so what you what you really need to be doing is mm. surrounding yourself with people that you admire, surrounding yourself with people who have done what you want to do. Mm. Because mm. there's nothing that you can think up. There's nothing that no life path you can imagine that hasn't been done before. Yeah. And so, yeah, like you can battle away and try and figure it out yourself, or you can just fucking ask someone. I'll tell That's you, a, I'll tell true. you a ridiculously interesting story that just popped into my mind. When I did my TEDx talk in 2012 at the Aotea Center, there was two and a half thousand people there. And I was the opening speaker. I spoke, and then you're know, on a high. I left and I went out into the foyer, and there's no one in the foyer because there's like three speakers before a break. And this guy comes out on his phone. And he's a high-ish profile New Zealand businessman. He comes out on his phone and he's like, blah, blah, blah. And he just paces around furiously for about 10 minutes on the phone. And I'm just sort of watching him. And then he gets off the phone and he comes up to me and he goes, thank you. Thank you so much. I was like, what? He's like, when you were talking about asking for help, I took that literally. And he came out. And he rang his biggest competitor and he said, I've been having problems figuring this out. Can you help me? What do you guys do? And they fucking told him. Mm -hmm. And he's like, you've saved me like hundreds of hours, hundreds of thousands of dollars, like just because I rang up and fucking asked. Wow. Just that simple. And so only for a short amount of time and sort of inadvertently, but what he did was he surrounded himself with someone that has already done it before him. He didn't have to fight his way through that problem. He just had to ask and he got given the shortcut. Now, it's interesting because Jim Rohn's quote, the five people closest to you, yeah, that's important, but that guy wasn't close to him. That guy, you know, that guy was was, on the far extremities. And there was a really, really interesting study that I've actually had to write down here because uh, I couldn't remember it off the top of my head, but it's about the, the breadth of social influence. And it was done by a guy called Nicholas Christakis and James Fowler, and they examined the data set from a thing called the Framingham Heart Study, one of the largest and longest-running health studies ever. And this was done over 30 years. And so mm. when they realized... Um, it covered more than just the heart health of the participants. And so, you know, they were studied for all sorts of medical conditions. And during interviews, they were probed for all sorts of demographic questions, including questions about family members and friends. And so when they started uh, meta-analyzing this data, they wanted to see what the effects of family members and friends had. And so they chose something that was quite easy um, an objective to be able to measure, and that was obesity. And so Mm. according to their results, if a friend of yours becomes obese, you yourself are 45% more likely than chance to gain weight over the next two to four years. 
Really? More surprisingly, they found that if a friend of your friend becomes obese, your likelihood of gaining weight increases by about 20%. And even if you don't know that friend of a friend, and the effect continues one more person out. If a friend of the friend of your friend develops obesity, you are still 10% more likely than chance to gain weight as well. They came to the conclusion that your friends make you fat, but so do their friends and so do their friends of friends. And then they wanted to double check this. So they did the study again for smoking. And that was like 65, 40, 25. Your friends of your friend, 25% more likely to smoke if your friend of your friend of your friend smokes. Like that is the that is the breadth of how we are f- affected by the people that we associate with. Like obviously, you don't know your friend of a friend of a friend. Mm. But I mean, it's my birthday coming up soon. And one of the things that I like to do is bring people together. I like to be able to, and when and when Libby and I used to have parties and everything like that, the people that would come really didn't know each other. Because like I said, I don't really have a friend group. I flitter in and out. Mm. And so I bring these people from different friend groups in together. And the one thing that I know is that they'll all get on because I have one simple overwhelming quality that I need in a friend. That is someone that is lovely. And so it means all Mm. the people that are there that are lovely. And if they're lovely, then their friends are probably lovely. And then that spreads out from there. But friends are friends are friends. Like It's also about uh, your, your, who you follow on Instagram. They, they affect you. If you just follow lots of girls in bikinis, well, they're not going to make you richer, smarter, happier. Might make you happier for like a minute, but in general. Uh, if the books you read are just comic books, then you're not going to learn anything. And so when we're talking about not only the people you surround yourself, it's the things you surround yourself with. And these are yeah. all you know, vitally important as tools in order to create you know, a structure in order to get to a goal that you're trying to achieve. Mm. Well, Jimmy, it's also become increasingly, in my opinion, tougher to ever know what's worth surrounding yourself with. Like, there's lots of ideas that you can find from a click of a button, you know? But like you said, that's the easy part in today's world. You can find a group to follow in 30 seconds, but you can't find friends to hang out with in a community without like this natural test, which is, do you gel with them, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and will they kind of give you the push and pull that I think every human just deeply needs, right? That mentor type of relationship. Yeah. So, and so that's, that's the two sides of it. You've mm, got, you've got the general mm. side of it, which is the books you read and the people, but then what we're really talking about is those five closest people. And it doesn't have to be five. Mm. It might be the 20 closest mm. people, but the easiest and fastest way to create the identity that you want is to surround yourself with the people who already have that identity. Mm. Right. And so if you want to be a successful podcaster, 
you sure as hell better surround yourself with successful podcasters. They will, they will give you intros to get better interviews. They will tell you how to make your sound quality better. They'll tell you the tricks they're using for advertising. They will do all of these things because they're your friend. If you would like to get fit, the fastest way to do it is surround yourself with people who have the identity for which you wish to obtain, which is go to a gym, become friends with the gym people. Then they're like, we're going out for dinner. And you're like, to McDonald's? And they're like, no, <laughs> we're going to go to go get paleo at this thing. And, <laughs> and you're like, oh, okay, I don't have a choice because I want to go with my friends. Whereas if I had a choice mm-hmm. and my current identity, I'd just go and eat McDonald's. That's, I just, you just blew my mind, literally. Like, I've never thought about reaching out to a successful podcaster to mentor me. Yeah, because that's not the. I just never thought about it. My because we think we're in about, competition with people, but we're not. Mm, that's so interesting. You do that's not so steal. You do not steal listeners from this podcast. Your mm. podcast does not steal listeners from my podcast. In fact, the opposite. It can give me more listeners. Because if I'm friends with you, you're more likely to shout me out on your podcast. Yeah, just like now, you've invited me in. Yeah. Um, well, that's just it. I've already said the name of your podcast at the start. Please blow yeah. my mind. Go listen to it. <laughs> so, okay, do we just hold on that for a second? Because if you take that, put that same measurement over a relationship, it's the same, right? It's the same. Well, what if we're looking for that partner who's going to be, okay, so we want to be a really awesome husband. Or partner, let's say. Yep. Go surround yourself with awesome husbands. That's it. Like that's that, it. like that's that's real simple. That's one of the things like men's groups are really good. A lot of husbands mm. are quite shit husband. And they've never been taught how to deal with their thoughts, feelings, emotions, blah, blah, blah. And so by then going to these men's groups, there's um, you know, there's a there's a group. Uh, called For All the Brothers, which is uh, a walking group where they chat about stuff. There's a whole bunch of other um, men's groups. And this is the thing. You want to find them? Just go fucking Google men's groups and and you'll Mm -hmm. go find the right one for you. But the men in there might be the men that can mentor you to become a better husband. We We can apply this to any facet of our life. Whatever we want. You want to be a better rugby player? Well, guess what? Fucking you better go surround yourself with some good rugby players. Mm. Just a side tangent. Who would we who would be worthwhile mentors to find in New Zealand in the podcast scene? Well, see, this is the thing about the world today. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be True. New Zealand. Yeah. You look and, at my small town thinking. Yeah, you and I are currently uh on the internet talking to each other. And we can have we can we can pass. I mean, it's not as good as having a coffee together or going for a walk together. Understand that, but this is a viable substitute for you. You know, my wife and I have to have this viable substitute for six and a half months to be able to talk mm. to each other. And so, I mean, the simple rule for this sort of stuff: start as big as you fucking can, and work your way down until you get a yes. <laughs> start with Tim Ferriss. 
start with Mark Maron, start with Joe mm. Rogan, start like start with these people. Don't self-reject. Put a good offer together of how you can reciprocate the value. Send it to them. Copy and paste the thing and keep going down the list until you get to number 100. And he's like, yeah, sweet. And you're like, awesome. Done. And you can do that for anyone anywhere. Do that for Mm. business people. Do that for sports people. Start at the top, work your way down. Because we tend to start at the bottom and then work our way up. Mm. Is it the same for meeting friends then, Jimmy? Well, meeting friends is a a little bit... uh, a little bit different. Again, I'm going to deal with that yeah. in the in the friends mm. over thirty um, podcast episode. But yeah, I, to to give you an example, real quick to finish all this up, I used to do a thing where I would have lunch with people, and at the end of that lunch, I would say, "Who's the most awesome person you know?" And they'd go, "Oh, um, like in the world." I'd be like, "Nah, like in New Zealand," and they'd be like, "Oh, so and so." And I'd be like, cool. Do you think you could ask them if I could have lunch with them? And they're like, oh, uh, okay. And so they'd ring up the um, person and go, hey, um, this guy Jimmy asked me who the most awesome person in New Zealand that I know is, and it was you. And they're like, oh, my God, really? Thank you. And they're like, he just, you know, he's a pretty interesting dude. Do you you want to go have lunch with him? And they would be like, yeah, sure. And then bang. I've got a new person to go have lunch with who's the raddest person that one particular person knows. That's awesome. Um, Jimmy, one more question I have to ask this, and I don't know how it's going to register. I'll trade in a bit of our trust that we've built. Does one of the people that you hang out with need to be God? Um, Yes, as long as we define the word God. Yeah. And so for me, I am God and you are God and we are God. And so, you know, that, I mean, there's sort of kind of what we talk about so much in all of this stuff is that we should be best friends with ourselves. And if we can't get the relationship with ourselves right, it's very hard for us to get the relationship with anyone else right. Mm -hmm. Because there are so many people that are like, oh, you know, you know, Jesus is my number one. Oh, I love God. And then their behavior uh, does not follow through with what their words say. Mm. And so, yeah, get, get yourself right. Everything, fall, everything else falls into place. If you can be best friends with yourself, then you can, you can have good relationships with everybody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a well put. I, look. We've had these chats over the years about, you know, bigger meaning and all that stuff. And I found myself living next to a church. And every Sunday at nine o'clock, people come nicely dressed and hang out together. And I thought that might not be such a bad idea for me to just go there one time and sit down. Church is a great place for community. Now, I don't agree with the dogma of most religions, but but the actual act of being charitable, volunteering, hanging out together, helping people out, having a purpose, 
you know, all of these things are wonderful pieces of the mental fitness pie and, you know, mm. pop next door and try and make some friends. Well, I'm going to see if it is in fact like that because I my suspicion is that I'd sit there and everyone would be like, who's that person? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to test it out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. Sometimes religious people can be the most judgmental. There's also plenty of lovely ones. So you can only, this is the key, you only find out if you go and find out. All right, Will, thank you very much for uh, being Libby today. I appreciate your insight. I appreciate your good questions. That's why you're an excellent podcast host. Go listen to Will's podcast. Thanks very much, everybody. Love you all a long time. That was Inside Out with Jimmy Hunt. See you next time.